Hey everybody, come on in here. Well, do we have some stuff to talk about? Have you ever noticed that a lot of the news gets packed into some days? There are some days when it's just so much news you can barely stand it. Well, today is one of those days. I'm guessing that a lot of you did what I did last night, which is binge on all the uh, coverage of the riots. And we're going to talk about that. Yes, we will. But first, we're going to do a little thing called the simultaneous sip. And if you've never experienced it, boy, are you lucky. It's your lucky day. This will be your first one. And all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tank or a chalice or stein, a canteen jug or a flask of a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better, including the damn pandemic and the riots. It's called the simultaneous hip, and it happens now. Go. Mm. I can feel the violence decreasing with every sip. So raise your hand. Uh, How many of you remember the coronavirus? Um, Let me refresh your memory. It was a virus uh, that we believe started in China, killed 100,000 Americans, uh, but that was was in uh, 2020. Oh, wait, it is 2020. What happened to the coronavirus? Wasn't that a big thing, like, not too long ago? Well, it turns out the coronavirus is apparently nothing we're worrying about today. Um, But we are worrying about a different virus, an idea virus, which is what the Antifa folks are spreading. Now, I would argue that ideas, if they're damaging ideas, operate so much the same as a physical virus that you have to at least consider the same mechanisms for treating it. So in other words, if if you get the coronavirus, what should I do? Well, what I do if you get the coronavirus is I stay away from you. So the most important thing that can protect me from your virus is information. If I have information, I can, oh, okay, you've got the virus? All right, I'll stay over here for a while. But what about Antifa? Antifa is sort of like a virus in the sense that if if an Antifa person spreads their, uh, let's say, their philosophy, is that what it is, philosophy? That would, uh, that would destroy the economics of any host that was exposed to it. So right now you saw that these small businesses, many of them owned by black citizens, were destroyed last night, at least in part. You know, Antifa wasn't the only one there. There were lots of bad actors. But Antifa was certainly part of destroying the economics of any host it enters. Now it's trying to destroy the economics of the United States. And by the way, they say that. I'm not making that up. That's actually the explicit... Intention is to destroy the economy of the United States. Now, how do you deal with a regular virus? You quarantine it. 
You get as much information as you can, you contact trace, you quarantine it. So identifying it and having information is is really the primary thing that you can use to fight a virus. I would suggest that we should at least consider a national registry for Antifa. Now, the registry doesn't have to be a government thing, because I don't think it's illegal to start your own database and, and have people contribute to it. Now, you would, of course, have a problem that people would put wrong information in it. So that would be a problem. But if you required that people, let's say, demonstrate that there's some certainty that the person is Antifa, they would have to include, let's say, a social media snippet or something like that. So if somebody, let's say somebody put my name on there, it would only take a minute for somebody to say, all right, let's see your evidence that this cartoonist is a member of Antifa, and you click on it, and there are no social media links that would support that. So you'd say, oh, okay, that one, that's not real. But if somebody has social media posts that say they're Antifa, or there's a photograph of them at an Antifa event or something, and you post it, wouldn't you say that's reasonably good evidence? Now, I would think people, just like a credit report, people should be able to petition to have their name taken off if they're not Antifa. In fact, maybe all it would take is a statement that says, no, this is incorrect. You know, I disavow Antifa. That would be fair. But the question is, <laughs> social scoring. <laughs> so here's the thing. Why is it that we citizens who are basically, uh, we could be infected by Antifa, either by their violence, by their destruction, physical destruction of our businesses, or by the, you know, the, the idea of getting in our heads and maybe turning us into Antifa ourselves? Why is it that if our government, our government can't stop them, obviously, uh, so if the government can't act against Antifa, what would stop these citizens from just saying, all right, it's nothing personal, but we have to quarantine you because it's an idea virus? And I would ask the following question. Antifa has a, an idea of how they'd like to see the future. Is there any reason we can't give them that future so long as we keep them away from the people who don't want that future? Because I don't think Antifa cares about other people minding their own business. They only the Antifa seems to be concerned about living within a system that's not the system they want to live in. Can't we fix that? Can't we find some territory in the United States? It wouldn't have to be gigantic because you could test it small. You get a few square miles, and you take anybody who's an Antifa, and you say. How would you like to live here? You could just have whatever rules you want. It could be very egalitarian. It could be socialism. It could be communism. It could be it could be chaos. It could be uh, complete anarchy. It could be whatever you want. But just just keep your philosophy with you, and just don't bother us. I don't see why we can't give them what they want. I mean, literally create Antifa land, and just say, look, anybody who wants to live here and wants to live here without a government and without economics is welcome to do it. 
And we should just run a little parallel experiment. And then whenever anybody gets you know, arrested, let's say, for Antifa activities, we could give them a choice. Go to jail or go live forever in Antifa land. Or, you know, five years in Antifa land, whatever the, whatever the sentence is. Because I got a feeling that going to jail versus living in Antifa land, the land that Antifa would define as the way they want the world to work, I've got a feeling they would look pretty similar to the person who was there. You, you, need, you know, But in jail, you're not going to starve to death. That being the big difference. So, um, did you notice last night that the worst way to get the news was from the news? And, and I think there's an actual reason for that. Because a lot of the good news, uh, not good, wasn't good, but a lot of the, let's say, um, the closest to the action, most accurate reporting was coming from individuals with their phones. So if you looked at the reporting of the professional news crews, they, they would generally travel with enough people that you could tell it was a news crew. I assume they've got some kind of a cameraman with a, a proper camera. They've probably got press credentials, so everybody knows they're the press. But the problem with being a member of the credentialed press is that the police recognize them too. And you could, when you're watching the coverage, all you would see is the police telling the credentialed press to get farther back from the action. <laughs> so every time I turned on CNN, uh, the CNN reporter was being pushed back from the police until they couldn't see anything. But... I was just on Twitter last night, and I came across uh, Jack Murphy's um, uh, Periscope feed. So Jack Murphy, if you're not following him, you should. Just uh, just do a search for Jack Murphy. And he was in the middle of the action. And I think the difference is that he could simply look like an individual who was attending the protest. So he had a mask on, and he just fit in with everybody else. He had a phone, but lots of people had phones. I assume he, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I think he probably had some maybe earbuds or earbuds or something in that was his microphone slash, um, you know, what, the way he was talking to the Periscope. But if you didn't see him live in the middle of the riots when the fires were starting, you really missed the show. Cause, so I put in my own, my own uh, earphones so I could, I could hear the action in stereo just like I was on the street. And then I'm looking through Jack's camera, you know, his viewfinder, and man, you were, you were there. And you could hear his breathing uh, and his, you know, his level of, let's say, what's the right word, level of legitimate concern for his safety as well as for his city. And there was a real drama because there was a, a smallish fire that got set against some construction platform stuff against a building that if the fire had continued, it would have taken out the whole building. And given the state of things, I don't know if fire crews could have even gotten there. And, you know, there was a lot of other places the fire crews were needed. I feel like the whole block would have burned down. So you're watching, um, yeah, so it's at Jack Murphy Live if you're looking for his uh, Twitter feed. So thousands of us, I think at one point there were like, I don't know, 
3.5 thousand of us were watching live as Jack was in the middle of the action, way closer to the action than any of the professional news crews. And you were actually, you were afraid for his safety, and you were watching a building maybe go up in flames, which could have been, you know, how many tens of millions of, of loss, probably people die if you get that much fire going. And it was, you were really there. I mean, I could not leave the feed because he put me right in the middle of the riot. And I, I could feel it, I could feel it viscerally. It was really, it was an incredible moment in understanding that the traditional press has some some built-in limitations that I don't know if they can overcome. You know, maybe they'll find a way to adjust. But watching watching Jack get into the middle of the story and then watching the professional news crews that were kept by the police so far outside of the story that it wasn't, it wasn't worth watching, really. It was nothing to see. Big difference. There might have been something important happening in terms of how we get the news and understand the news. Um, I remember... There was a quote I heard, it was a long time ago, it was years ago now, uh, it was from Mark Cuban, and I don't know, it might have been five years ago or something, and he said a quote that I thought was crazy at the time, but now it's completely true, I think he was just ahead of his time, and he said that if there's a big breaking news story, he doesn't check the news, he checks Twitter, because Twitter is going to be faster and, and hit it from more angles, and you're going to you know, quickly get it, and there's no commercials, and there's no, you know, the opinion is easier to sort through. And I remember at the time I thought, well, that's not true, because I was using Twitter, I didn't have many followers, and I wasn't really being ex- exposed to the stories the way I am now. But once you have a big account, as I do, people start tagging you in stories if they want you to boost, boost the signal, so suddenly, this morning, I just opened up my Twitter, and I've got just the highest quality of videos and stuff. You know, a lot of it from Andy No, and I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, NGO. How do you pronounce that? Um, but anyway, Andy's got tons of videos, so you know, I follow him, and so I'm seeing I'm seeing raw, you know, on the ground footage of people being beaten, just horrible stuff. But I didn't see very much of that on the regular news. Because I don't know if the regular news is censoring that stuff because it's a little bit too too rough. Or they're or they just don't have it. I don't know. So watching the difference of the quality of the news from from citizens just doing their thing world of difference. It's not even close. It's not even close, the quality of the reporting from the citizens. It's just way better than the, the pros. And there's a reason for it. Um, so let's, uh, let's call the winners and the losers last night. So the biggest losers were the African-American community because they took an advantage that was really a gigantic opening. I mean... Yesterday, or, or this week, I'd say, based on the the George Lloyd video, we saw this incredible opportunity where people on the far right and the far left all had exactly the same opinion for the first time, which is, all right, 
you know, the people on the right who might have been a little resistant to the concept that police were, you know, at least in some occasions, were being a little, uh, not a little, but in some occasions they were crossing the line. And I think even people on the right who sort of intellectually understood that was probably the case, there's always a bad apple in the bunch, but seeing it, I'm sorry, Floyd. <laughs> I always I, I'm being corrected in the comments. George Floyd, not Lloyd. Uh, I, I confuse. The trouble is George Floyd is two first names, and Lloyd is a first name, and I'm just there's just too many first names to keep keep track of. Um, but anyway, I would say that uh, the the big losers were the black community because they had such a gigantic opening where the entire, pretty much close to 100% of the white community and other communities saw the same thing they did on that video of George Floyd and were on the same side, completely on the same side. In that moment, if anyone had come up, anybody prominent, had come up with some actual suggestions of let's do this to make it better or let's make this specific change, the whole country was ready. Congress, left, right, Democrats, Republicans, just give us just give us a real suggestion. We're all ready. Everybody wanted to help. All on the same side. And then Antifa got involved. <laughs> and then Black Lives Matter made the strategic error of all strategic errors. In fact, Historians may consider uh, Black Lives Matter's strategy in this as to be maybe one of the worst activist strategies of all time, unfortunately. Because, you know, they have, they have a legitimate issue, and I think they, they, had the, they deserved a legitimate response. They deserved a legitimate protest. And while there were many people with good intentions, there were too many people with the wrong intentions and really ruined the whole thing. Now, as I've told you, hey, the dragon is docked, somebody says. Forget everything we're talking about. Elon Musk just docked his, his rocket and NASA, of course. We don't want to leave out NASA. They're, they're a big part of the process, obviously. But hey, Elon Musk's rocket just docked according to the comments. Well, that just makes my whole day better, i got to say. Anyway, my point being that we are visual creatures. And because we're visual creatures, if you put up one visual and then one concept that takes some words, the concept that takes some words loses to the visual. So all last night we were treated to the visual of African Americans mostly, mostly, looting stores, beating up white people who we don't know what caused any of these fights, but you know we see the, the outcomes. So I would say the African-American community uh, lost last night maybe more than I've ever seen them lose in any one day in terms of reputation and empathy. Now, if you're trying to make things better for your community the thing you need to do is not convince your own community. It's not really about talking your own people into something because you're already there. 
The whole point of activism is to convince other people. You want to change other people's minds. That's the whole point. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't switch, switch modes to watch it, Doc, but uh, we'll watch it uh, later. And uh, so my point is, uh, my point is that because the visuals were so overwhelmingly negative for the black community that I think African-Americans lost just a tremendous amount last night, just a tremendous amount. And I'm not even talking economically. Economically, a lot of them lost their businesses, lost their jobs. You know, it was pretty bad economically if any of them were the store owners or, or work at those stores. And one assumes that it had to affect a lot of people. But... It's really hard to wake up today if you, were, if you were, let's say, emotionally on the side of the African-American community. Let's say you were not in that community, but you were emotionally with them. You were emotionally on their side. And you were, you were like, yeah, you know, I saw that video too. Tell me what you need us to do. I'll help you. Just tell us how to change something. Give us a suggestion. We'll help you. And that's all, <clears throat> that's all gone now. That was all squandered. So I don't want to make the mistake that pretty much everybody's going to be making from uh, <laughs> all day long when they talk about this. The common dumb way to look at any of this is that the 2% bad people in any of these groups that we're talking about, whether it's the 2% bad police or the 2% bad Black Lives Matter people, if, if any of the bad people were in Black Lives Matter, they might have just been along for the ride. Yeah, and then Antifa, of course, is, is more thoroughly bad. That's not a 2% situation, because that's by choice that they, 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 they choose a philosophy. So you can't say that only 2% of them are bad. They've, they bought into a bad philosophy, all of them. So... I think it was a devastatingly bad night for the black community. They've lost any goodwill that they might have generated, lost the biggest opportunity in black... I'd say the biggest opportunity in black history that is, um, let's say, more modern. So obviously I'm not talking about civil rights or going back that far. But I'd say in the last 10 years, perhaps the biggest opening for the black community to have a real, like, real gain just squandered last night, completely lost. Completely lost, which is the, the gigantic tragedy. So basically, the, the George Floyd tragedy became worse instead of becoming the trigger that fixed everything, and it could have gone that way easily. So Antifa, I think, has to take some of the blame I understand that there are some smart people, uh, including Marco Rubio, who are suggesting foreign adversaries might have something to do with this. Now, in my opinion, if foreign adversaries do not have anything to do with this, uh, I would lose all respect for our foreign adversaries because this would be kind of an easy one, right? If you're a foreign adversary and you want to cause a little trouble in the United States, and you know they do, this would be sort of a, a gimme. So if they're not, if our foreign adversaries are not trying to take advantage of this, well then, 
they're certainly missing an easy play. So one assumes that there's some of that, but the ridiculousness of blaming any of this on uh, white nationalists uh, is, is almost laughable. Almost. Um, so Jake Tapper was interviewing National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. That might have been this morning. And Robert O'Brien was saying that the riots were driven by Antifa, um, as opposed to any other group that's you know, being mentioned. And the weird thing about this is that Jake Tapper, even this week, was spreading the fine people hoax. So is there some amazing lack of awareness that CNN is really the ones... I mean, largely CNN is driving the riots as much as anything. Imagine, if you will, a world in which the news was just legitimate news. Just legitimate but at the same time, we got this video of George Floyd being killed on video. Would you feel the same if you hadn't been told by the news you know, that the, your understanding of the world had not been framed by the news? Would you feel the same about it? And the answer is, it would still be exactly as bad as it is. You know, the video is the video. But I don't know if people would have connected it to the larger issues in society so much as they might have said, well, that's you know, a tragic situation that involves these people, and we need to look into it, but it's probably more about these people. All right. Um, did you have the feeling last night, as you were watching all the televised um, rioting and stuff and the protesting, did you have the feeling that you were watching a televised sporting event or maybe the beginning of the invention of a televised sporting event? And not in a good way. Like, I'm not even joking about this. If this sounds like I'm making a joke, that's not where I'm heading. I'm heading, I'm heading in the direction of when I watch this, I found myself in spectator mode. Like I was watching it like entertainment. And I wanted to try to talk myself out of it as it was happening. And I'd say, no, 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 Scott. This is not entertainment. This is the opposite of entertainment. This is just one tragedy after another. You know, one injury, one bad thing happened to somebody, a store getting looted. is really just one horrible thing after another. That's what I'm watching. But the way it was produced, you know, the way the news coverage handles it, there was something about the production quality of it, something about the fact that the teams had uniforms, you know, the police had uniforms, Antifa had uniforms, Black Lives Matter quite often had you know, Black Lives Matter shirts on and stuff, uniforms. So you had uniformed players on teams. There were rules of sorts. There were rules. And weirdly, uh, people seem to follow the rules. You know, the police had their rules. Antifa has a certain set of weapons and tactics, and they stayed within that. For example, nobody in Antifa pulled a gun, right? It's a country where pretty much anybody can get a gun if they don't have a criminal record, I guess. And all of these Antifa people there, probably most of them are anti-gun, but nobody pulled a gun at Antifa. Now, that suggests that they have a set of rules 
which is, okay, sticks and kicking and lighting things on fire, those are within the rules, but we don't use guns. So, in a sense, they were uniformed teams. Uh, the, the goal of each of them seemed to be um, real estate, like football. In football, you're trying to control territory, and the police were trying to control territory while the protesters were trying to control territory. For the protesters, scoring meant destroying a business or setting something on fire or, you know, or beating senseless some, some victim. And I, I couldn't get past the fact that there's something about the fact that we don't have major televised sporting events and then the way it was produced, it just felt like a sporting event. Right? I'm not the only person who felt this, right? And again, I, it's possible to, to have complicated and conflicting thoughts in your head at the same time. It's what makes us human, right? So you can, you can hold two thoughts that conflict with each other in your head. So you could be watching it and saying, this is the most horrible thing, I hope it stops right away, there's nothing good about it. And you can still have in your head, it's really entertaining. Like in a sick, terrible way. So I was having that experience last night. I wondered if anybody else did. Um, so, so that's the main things I wanted to talk about. It looks like, um, if I had to predict where this is going... I would say that, like most viruses, it will burn out. Um, I feel as though the, the idea of protesting on the streets for racial equality has been shown to be ineffective. Uh, let's see if we learned anything from this. Now, we did learn that a video, along with lots of social media pressure, is really, really effective, did we not? Wouldn't you agree that we have learned that social media plus a, plus a damning piece of video, plus punditry, plus politics and everything, that can work really well in terms of a cause. What we also learned is that if Black Lives Matter has a street protest, it will invite both looters who just want to be sort of hidden in the the crowd so they don't get in trouble for looting. And it will also attract Antifa, who is there for different reasons. Now, they might say we're also here because of racism, but really they're there to destroy civilization. That's sort of their deal. So I think Black Lives Matter should have taken away from this that street protests will always attract those two elements, which will then attract the police which then makes the Black Lives Matter people all the more worked up because their whole thing they're protesting against is aggressive police action, and they're the police acting aggressively because these other groups that are not Black Lives Matter, necessarily, have attracted police action. So, um, yeah. So I think that what Black Lives Matter should have learned from this is to stay off the streets because that's an old-school way of protesting that because of this unique situation with Antifa and because looting is now considered just an automatic part of any street protest, at least of that nature, 
Um, I don't think street protests make any sense anymore. So if you're in Black Lives Matter, let, let me put it as starkly as I can. If you're an organizer of Black Lives Matter, and after watching this latest experience, and you still bring your people onto the streets tomorrow, or tonight, let's say, let's say today or tonight, if you still bring people onto the street organized, it's one thing if it's spontaneous and people just do what they do, but if the organizers of Black Lives Matter organize people to protest on the street tonight after learning what we learned, then Black Lives Matter, I think, has to be completely disavowed because there's no way that that level of stupidity can be rewarded and you can't claim that they don't know. All right, If they do it again tonight, nobody can claim they didn't know what was going to happen. Now, here's the other... Here's the other strange thing about this. We are a country with approximately 50 trillion uh, personal firearms. We are a country with approximately 50 trillion personal firearms, give or take, you know, a trillion or two. Uh, That's just my estimate. So we have a lot of guns. Did any civilian pull a gun on anybody? Other than I saw, I saw one story of a shopkeeper who killed, who killed somebody. But of all those riots in a country that's just full of guns, where were all the guns? I'm not suggesting that they should be there. That's not what I'm suggesting at all. But wasn't there something unusual about the lack of guns? Um... That, and, I, and I'm wondering about that, because how long does the lack of guns last? Because I would think that every store owner who watched their entire livelihood be destroyed probably said to themselves, I think I'm going to get some extra guns. There's a CNN news scoop, somebody says. Um, yes, and the, the police were using these paintball guns uh, which I thought was actually fairly creative because if you get hit with a paintball gun, you definitely it definitely stings. Uh, Four hundred million guns. Somebody says three hundred million guns. Yeah, did I miss it by a little? Three hundred million, not fifty trillion. All right, I will accept. I will accept your revised. Uh, yeah, what was up with bow and arrow, man? I've seen that reference. Was that was that a reference from last night, or was there a different bow and arrow, man? A cop got shot. Um, Antifa shot up an Oakland police station and killed a police officer. Well, I guess what I'm asking is why the uh, why the good guys didn't have guns. So. Um, it's one thing that uh, the protesters had a few guns. That's bad enough. But there were no Second Amendment people there in any of them. I think it has to do with the fact that it's urban. Now, the other thing that we may have learned from all this is that urban life doesn't work. I think we've learned that if you want to be uh, susceptible to terrorism or coronavirus or rioting, or any of these things, having your shop destroyed just because you happen, you just exist. 
I feel as though if you had traffic and pollution and everything else to it, that city living may be, maybe it's something that we just can't tolerate anymore. Maybe it's just not a way that humans should live. Maybe they shouldn't live all crowded up like that. That could be part of the problem. All right. Uh, so in 2004, a college girl was killed with a, with a paintball gun. Is that true? Uh, yeah, some celebrities are paying to bail out protesters. I wonder how embarrassing that is today. But I also wonder if uh, people on the left are seeing the same videos that you and I are seeing. Because if I look at my video feed, it's just full of videos of people being uh, beaten to death or near death by protesters. If, if you're on the left, are you seeing those videos? Or are you just seeing the video of George Floyd and, and that's motivating you, know, you bailing people out of jail? Um, <laughs> the, somebody says the Second Amendment team was not on the field. I think that's the whole story, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but all of the legal gun owners, I'll bet you there were no shootings by legal gun owners last night. How about that for a story? You know, I always talk about the dog that doesn't bark. How, how about this for a dog that didn't bark? 300 million guns in this country. How many, how many of the 300 million do you think are legally owned? Uh, would you say 200 million are legally owned? I don't know even know how to estimate that. But let's say there are 200 million legally owned guns in the United States, and we had rioting in all of our major cities. And here's the question. Was there, one, was there even one unjustified shooting by a legal gun owner? Even one. Was there even one legal gun owner involved in a bad shooting in all of this action last night? I don't know. I, I haven't heard of one. Now, the shop owner who took out somebody, I don't know if that was a legal handgun, but I would call that, uh, I'm not sure I would call that an illegitimate use of firearms because he took out somebody who was taking out his life, basically. So um, while I do not condone murder or vigilantism, I do not condone them, it is also true if I watched a shop owner uh, kill a protester, if I had watched it with my own eyes, a shop owner killing a protester to protect his life and his family's economic situation because the shop is going to be destroyed and you know let's say they don't all have insurance if i saw that i'd be okay with it i'd be okay with it i don't condone it and i you know i certainly don't encourage it but if a shop owner killed a protester to protect his shop i you if you put me on that jury i could tell you which way it's going to go all right <laughs> i don't even need to know the details of what happened if, if the fact is a shop owner killed somebody in the act of destroying their shop, you put me on the jury, I'm not even going to listen to the evidence. That's it. I'm not even going to listen. I, I, I will decide before the evidence every single time. Because I'm going to side with the shop owner 
doesn't matter doesn't matter the color of the shop owner or the color of the attacker irrelevant if somebody is if somebody is just threatening somebody's entire livelihood their livelihood that's that's sort of your life right if you're a small business owner the small business you know it's not technically your life but it's sort of your life and if somebody's going to take that out just for fun just just because it's a fun riot and they want to break some windows, want to ruin your business, set it on fire, and that shop owner ends up taking out a protester, there's just no way in the world I could allow allow the rest of the jury to convict that guy. So that at the very least, it would be a hung jury. But if I've taught you anything, it's that if you put a hypnotist on a jury deliberation... It's kind of going to go the way of the hypnotist, right? Unless there are, unless there are two hypnotists in the room. <laughs> if you put me in a room with eleven other citizens, and just say, "All right, work it out," it's going to go my way, all right? It'll either be a hung jury or it'll go my way, um, because that's how it works. All right. Um, Somebody says, no one will put you on a jury, Scott. Maybe not now, but I have been on a number of juries. So I've been a jury foreman. I've been on three, maybe. So even even though I've been recognizable as a you know semi-B-level celebrity for years, uh, even then I would get put on juries. So as long as you say you're willing to do the job, it's pretty much all they need. You just got to be willing to do the job and willing to say that you won't be biased. Uh, so it was a federal service officer that they killed in Oakland, so I don't know the details of that. I'll probably find that out today. Uh, more killings last weekend in Chicago. Yeah. All right, so that's my idea of the day, is to start a registry for Antifa. I don't know how anybody can... Uh, you know, I asked the question on Twitter, and this is a serious question. How, do, how does Antifa eat? Like, actually, literally, how do members of Antifa get food? And I'm not joking. That's a serious question. Because they're anti-everything that produces economics and food. So do they use those things? Do they have jobs? Do they have regular jobs? Because how can you be an Antifa and have a job? It feels like that doesn't make sense. If you're trying to destroy the system, that would include destroying jobs. Why not just start by not having one? See how it works out for you. So let me ask you this. If you knew somebody, if you knew an employer employed a member of Antifa, would you use that company if you had an option? In other words, if, if you knew one company hired at least one Antifa person and you had a choice of buying from another company that had no Antifa employees, who do you shop with? So I think information is the cure for coronavirus, but it's also the cure for Antifa. And I will leave you on that. And I will, uh, I'm going to go watch the video of the dragon docking now. You should too. And I will talk to you later. <laughs>